Everybody, this is Scaring is Sharing. The place where we share our scares. I am Jeremy Rusk, as always. And I am, as always, Brandy Joe Planbeck. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Brandy Joe. How was your holiday? My holiday was <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> good, I guess. <laughs> How were your holidays? Oh, so good. So good it was actually just a lovely day so you know I'll absolutely take that. just just hanging out yeah uh just chilling watching some movies watching some movies shows. being a little bit of a villain maybe i don't know chilling villain oh chilling <laughs> chilling like a killing villain that's it <laughs> so jeremy we have um a little bit of news we do have news, everybody. We are now part of the Planet Ant Podcast Network. That's right. They're powered by Pinecast. We're yeah, excited. I have long been a fan of Planet Ant. I've directed a show there. I've stage managed a show there. I've seen a lot of shows there. It is a, a very cool... They now have two buildings over in Hamtramck, Michigan. And um, they have a lot of really cool podcasts already on their network. So you can go to, on Instagram, you can follow them and you should. It's all one word, Planet Ant Podcasts. Ant, like the little bug. And then their website, appropriately, is planetantpodcasts.com. So please check out their other shows. And we're so excited to be a part of it. Absolutely. I'm sure if anybody out there is, you know, uh, privy to the the comedy world, the improv comedy world, you probably already know the name Planet Ant. It's, it's, they're known. They're a commodity. They, they are. They're a mainstay in the Detroit theater community. They weren't always, I mean, improv has always been a part of their scene, but they've also done a lot of traditional theater. They've done some original musicals, and it is just a really cool place. The Ghost Light Bar is over there in their secondary building. And um, it's just awesome. They're really just, they're taking over the neighborhood and, and they rock. They're a bunch of great people. I know they do movie screenings there from time to time. You know, Bands, just, drag shows. Everything. Anything you can think of. That's right. And so we are beyond blessed to be a part of the community now. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. It's great. I'm excited. <laughs> oh my God. Me too. So check out the other podcasts and, um, and yeah, we're super excited to do it, to be a part of it. So Jeremy, we have we took a, a little break over the we holiday. Sure did. Our, we aside sure from did. our weekly break. So I'm curious, um, out of the things you can think of, what what horror have you watched since we last spoke? You know what? It's been pretty pathetic on my end. Oh. I got I got overcome, I guess, with the Christmas spirit, and I focused more on a lot of Christmas movies and things like that. Um, I did get in a viewing of Krampus, which is a great movie um i know it's divisive like i've been on the internet you know world and some people are like hated it for some reason you know uh, i'm not a big fan and i i did not think it was divisive because everyone i seem to know in any horror group is just head over heels with it and i just thought it was kind of meh oh see okay we must traverse different groups because i've <laughs> i've seen horror groups that are very like this movie fucking sucks and i'm like that's not that bad. I think a big problem is like, well, now that I'm thinking about it, some of it is I, I, I traverse a lot of heavy metal, death metal like groups. Uh, and Krampus just as a character is very beloved, of course, in the heavy metal mm -hmm. world, because what's more metal than a, 
a Christmas devil. That's right. And a lot of people in the, that sphere, I think, wanted something that was more like, I wanted him like a freaking just demon from hell, just slaughtering people. Like, I think that's the movie they wanted. Yeah. Uh, and I'm kind of like, you know, Krampus is aimed at children. Like, it's a children's myth. It's not, you know, it's designed to be like kids behave or he comes to get you. So they kind of leaned into making it a family movie, I think. And yeah, that's, that's what we got. Fair. Yeah. yeah, and that's what we got, a family movie, uh, which I think is fun. I love the, the uh, cynicism of it such a cynical movie and like those are the kinds of things i love with christmas <laughs> movies is when you get more cynical about it where it's like yep that's really more what it's about because people have just we just go through the motions yeah through this holiday that it's so commercialized but i did get in krampus you know i, I like i had been meaning to watch gremlins uh maybe i will before the year is out i mean by the time you people hear this it'll be the new year happy new year I still have some time before the end of December to possibly get in Gremlins or, uh, I did watch half of the movie Christmas Evil. Okay. Is that old? Like from the eighties? It's from like maybe the seventies. Okay. It, it's, uh, I know John Waters, the great filmmaker, John Waters. Is I've a huge, heard of him. He's a huge fan of it. Okay. <laughs> it's like his, one of his favorite movies apparently per interviews and stuff. It's about a dude that, uh, as a kid, he sees his, mom making out with santa claus which of course is actually his dad hot up as santa but he believes it's the real santa okay so he grows up and he goes crazy and thinks he can become santa claus and like it, it's a movie that like when you look up the poster and you read about it like it's got a sleazier i think reputation it's like a grindhouse you know 70s flick and it's less of a slasher movie because you think it's going to be just a dude dressed as santa on a killing spree like silent night deadly night yeah but it's really just a story about this guy going crazy okay uh, and it's kind of cool it's weird it's also known as you better watch out that's another title it was released okay. under but i only watched half of it i don't know what happened i got distracted you know holiday whatever happens so i need to finish it <laughs> hopefully i will have by the time uh uh the year is out gotta go back to it a couple other things i want to give a shout out for mystery science theater 3000 i just revisited the santa claus conquers the martians episode uh which is you know that's a great bad movie um, okay the title is so like evocative. Santa Claus conquers the Martians. It's a great title. It's really, it should be called Martians kidnap Santa Claus and force him to bring Christmas cheer to Mars is like, <laughs> really what the plot is. It's a bad 60s. Like it might've been a TV movie. I'm not sure. Uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, of course, does a great job sending, sending that up. Uh, it's got their classic music number of Patrick Swayze Christmas in it for anyone oh. that knows because <laughs> they constantly in that episode they keep referencing roadhouse for some reason and it's pretty funny cool if you guys can find that watch that one and i did one last bit it's kind of it's not really horror but it ties back into our previous conversation about clockwork orange uh i think tangentially was i went on a little bit of a film noir kick okay so i, I feel like there's a little bit of overlap some of you sure. nerd nerdier horror people pry into some film noir um and I did. Wa I watched The Third Man with Orson Welles. Uh, that is such a good movie. Uh, some call it one of the greatest movies ever made. So I think film nerds look that one up. Uh, but I wanted to talk about White Heat with James Cagney. Okay. That's the one with the top of the world, Ma, you know, at the end, the famous. No. Nope. It's a very famous movie line, famous scene. But it's, it's James Cagney uh, in one of his iconic gangster roles where he's just a psychotic criminal. 
uh, and you know the whole movie is just you're just locked in with him. He's the main character of this unrepentant uh, psychopathic murderer, and it's Cagney, so you know it's just he was just great. <laughs> he's he's magnetic, but it's a movie that I feel like this is the prototype for something like Clockwork Orange or uh, American Psycho or even, uh, well, both of them, Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix's portrayals of the Joker. Like all of those owe a debt to Cagney because you go back to this movie and like, this is like one of the original psychopathic killer, you know, antisocial asshole. And like, he's your main character. Okay. And you're just stuck going through his life with him. Because I know when the movie came out, it was pretty like, whoa, that's salacious and shocking. This, this guy just, he loves killing uh, and being a criminal. So I think for you know, the film nerds out there, go back to White Heat, watch it, and you're like, this is the blueprint for all of those movies that come later of just psychos doing their thing. Uh, okay. And you're just left to deal with it. You know, There's no redemption arc. There's nothing. It's just, he's nuts. <laughs> and you got to watch it unfold. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's about it for me. I watched quite a bit. Did you? Yeah. I watched a lot of non-traditional Christmas movies that I had never seen before. Some of them not quite in, but I'm just going to mention them. I watched Die Hard and Scrooged, which I'd never seen either before. I can't believe you had never seen Die Hard. I saw your Facebook post. Yeah. Um, Because, of course, I forgot. I revisited that, too. But I've seen Die Hard. It's one of my all-time favorite movies, so I've seen it a million times. Yeah, it was amazing. And Scrooged was also so much fun. Like, I knew Carol Kane was in it. That's about all I knew. Mm -hmm. And she was so good. She was my favorite ghost, for sure. Mm -hmm. I also watched, um, we rewatched Gremlins. I hadn't watched it in at least, like, probably at least two decades. So it was a blast. It was so much fun to rewatch. Gremlins is great. So great. So much fun. Like, that's how you do, I mean, it wasn't PG-13 because it didn't exist. But it it definitely would have been had that been a rating at the time. And that's how you do it. Krampus. Yeah. Krampus so badly wanted to be Gremlins. Like, you can tell when you watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just delightful. I also watched Gretel and Hansel because it's been on a lot of, now that all these lists are coming out, like the the top lists and things like that. Yeah. It's been on a lot of them. And um, when it came out, no one talked about it. So I watched that and um, I, I dug it. I thought it was really good. It's not like a, I mean, it probably would be classified as a horror movie, but it definitely is just more atmospheric in mm. that regard, but it was good. And I also watched Leap of Faith, the William Freakin Exorcist documentary. It's oh, on Shudder. Okay. And um, it was quite fascinating. There was a lot in there I didn't know, which is surprising for you know all the coverage The Exorcist has over the years. Yeah, that's like a never ending rabbit yeah. hole of information. Somehow there's just more and more info about that movie, about the novel, about yeah. everything. It's crazy. And my biggest issue with it, like he talked a lot about the casting and the acting and, but it was always in regards to the men in the film. And I, mm. I'm always most drawn to Ellen Burstyn and Linda Blair and Linda Blair, of course. So I wanted more about them and there was very, very little, um, but it was still quite pa- fascinating. And then I watched Possessor Cut. I thought I was watching the uncut version. But afterwards, everyone was like, oh my God, it wasn't that sex scene so crazy. And I'm like, I mean, maybe I watched too much porn. No, (laughs) like it wasn't. And then I was like reading some interview and they mentioned something that's in it. And I was like, oh, wait, what? 
Like that is not the sex scene I saw. So I got my hands on the uncut version and um, rewatched the scenes that I knew had been trimmed a little. But it's definitely, I mean, it's horror adjacent, adjacent as well, but I definitely recommend it. Very cool. Very cool, weird little flick. That's the one that's, uh, is that Cronenberg's son? Yeah, Brandon. Yes, okay. Yeah. I watched Colprey, which is a Norwegian slasher. There's three of them. And I've been wanting to watch it for some time, and I finally got my hands on it. And it was a ton of fun. A really just fun, straight-up slasher. It was awesome. Dug it. I rewatched Lisa, which I saw in the theaters back in 1990. It has Stacey Keenan from My Two Dads. It's before your time, Jeremy. Yeah, I do not know this one. <laughs> it's now on Amazon Prime, and it's just like, it's just a thriller with this girl who like, she's, you know, like 13, and she loves to call guys and just pretend like she's older, and she ends up getting mixed up with this serial killer called mm. the Candlelight Killer, and um, it's fantastic. Um, it was fun to rewatch. It is not a great movie. Okay. Then another, two other Christmas horror movies that I watched. One was Whoever Slew Auntie Rue, way back from 1972 with Shelley Winters and the little kid Mm. who played Oliver. It's also a a sort of take on Hansel and Gretel and sort of in that um, psycho bitty sort of genre, like whatever happened to Baby Jane, like Mm. crazy, crazy older women. It was not great, but it (laughs) it takes place at Christmas time. So I've seen it come up in some lists of non-traditional Christmas horror movies to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun. And then I watched the Joan Collins segment from Tales from the Crypt. Oh! Just that segment. I didn't want to watch yeah. the whole thing. But I keep yeah. hearing, I think it's called like All Through the House or yep. something like that. Um, have you seen that? You're talking the movie Tales from the Crypt, correct? Correct, yeah, from 1972. Okay. Not actually seen the movie version. I've seen the, I think it's the pilot episode of the television series. Okay. Uh, recreates that. It's it's that segment, but it's an episode of the TV show. And that episode is super good. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was a good time. So yeah, definitely, you know, nothing like that I watched is like at the top of my list for the year, probably. Maybe Possessor. It was very unique um, and very cool. A very cool little flick. But yeah, so definitely watched quite a bit. Did you get any horror merch for Christmas? Uh, Oh, wait. I thought of one more thing. I did revisit the uh, the South Park episode, Critter Christmas. Okay. Uh, they're the characters that Cartman makes up, the woodland critters, and they okay. all turn out they all turn out to be Satanists, and they uh, that's the the twist in there is they're they're bringing the Antichrist to it's his Christmas story he makes up, but they cut each other up and have a blood orgy, and it's you know oh. it's it's a rip off of Event Horizon. I want to rewatch that. They they have not released an uncut version of that, right? They just no, talk about it. A and lot. they probably never will. Okay. It's another one where the studio says they lost all the uncut footage. Okay. Uh, and the director really wants you. Event Horizon, uh, I know it's not like a great movie, but it's one of my favorites. So one day perhaps we'll have to, uh, uh, maybe we can have a special viewing of it so you can revisit and we can cover that. Because I could go on and on about it. <laughs> it comes it comes up a lot and like people's like, oh, scariest movie is sort of lists. It's- yeah, it's a it's a cult, it's definitely a cult classic. I wouldn't say it's one of the scariest movies ever, but it's a cult classic. It's it's very weird and a very original like flick, I think. But um uh yeah, definitely worth a revisit. Okay. Um but Did you get horror, any, yeah, horror yeah, merch horror for merch, Christmas. Uh nothing really, you know, just 
I'm getting old. So now things are just like clothes and I'm excited about that. But no horror like, clothes. I got some Godzilla movies from my brother. Okay. That's, you know, you some monster have? movies that I didn't have. No, not on, wow. uh, uh, I, I need to get the, uh, I'm slowly trying to grab on Blu-ray before they're like out of print is the like nineties, the, uh, the Hisi era, as they say, or Heisei. I don't know how you say it in Japanese, but that's like the 90s, the late 80s, 90s era of Godzilla movies. So uh, some of those, I did buy myself using some uh, gift card money, a book called Swedish Death Metal. Uh, so I guess a little okay. horror related, and it's a history of the the Swedish death metal scene. So, you know, there's a lot of Satanism and yes. it's horror. I'd say it's horror tangentially connected. So <laughs> death metal fans out there, what, what? Okay. But that's really about it. Yeah. I'm trying to think, that, uh, you know, that was my, oh, and my, my parents got me a, a, a Bigfoot ornament. Fun. Where it says believe and it's Bigfoot holding a, or wearing a Santa hat. I'm all, my favorite monster is Bigfoot, so there you go. <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm pretty easy to buy for. Like, you can buy me anything horror-related or anything with bears on it. Um, and I'm pretty... I got... Um, uh, at least it's... I wish I had it here to show you via Zoom. I got, uh, like, a three-foot, three-and-a-half-foot tall bear. Um, <laughs> it is like a statue. <laughs> it's amazing. And I named him Barry. I didn't know you were so into bears. All right. I mean, I, I love. I mean, you are you are a type <laughs> of bear. But. Yeah, I, like I'm like a wannabe bear, um, but I do enjoy bears and but I, the animal bears. But I enjoy well. the animal, maybe partially because it's sort of fun with like the gay culture. But I have I own some bear like little statues and trinkets and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I got and it's I mean it's horror adjacent because th- my cat is petrified of the little statue I got. Uh-huh. I say little, but I mean it's you know. It's it covers the majority of my it is it is tallish and I love it's, it. It's like a child. It is definitely <laughs> like a like a very chubby child. <laughs> um I also got the Friday the 13th Blu-ray collection. Oh, you did? Yes. So excited. So hooked up my Blu-ray yesterday. We're gonna watch some of them and I cannot wait. Oh, and it so you're aware online there is a replacement disc program if you're into oh. that sort of thing for it. Because that was a thing I just did not that long ago. I got my replacement discs that I sent them the uh, notice for, what which is a, apparently it depends if you care about this sort of thing. Uh, a couple of the discs they say were mastered incorrectly, oh. where or authored incorrectly, where the Jason goes to hell unrated oh. disc. Okay. Uh, because it comes with both cuts. It comes with the theatrical and the unrated. The unrated disc is missing like a scene of gore <laughs> that should be in there. Okay. Um, and Jason X, uh, there's like audio issues on that one where there's like a scene where there should be some audio sound effects that are missing. Interesting. Uh, so I probably would have never have noticed these unless a, you know, the hardcore nerds discovered it and went to Scream Factory and were like, hey, what about this? So they remastered and uh, you send them your receipt, you get your, you know, your uh, uh, replacement discs. So I have a question so. about part three, 3D. Yeah. I see that there's no glasses in there. Uh-huh. Can I order glasses and watch it in 3D on my television? Do you know? No, I think they've they've done this, The like you need a 3D TV or whatever, Ugh. how that works, I think, to do Lame. that. Yeah, I think it's that. that okay. Uh, that kind of setup where it's like 3D TV, like nobody, who owns those? 
Yeah. That I was mean, like, a, I thought that was a failure. Does, but, I know but somebody yeah. does. I thought that was a total failure and they stopped making them. I was about ready to order some glasses off Amazon so I could watch it in 3D, but I guess I won't be doing that. Yeah, I mean, it might work. I don't know, but I'm okay. pretty sure it was for the, uh, it's, you know, authored for a, a 3D TV or the, however you make that okay. modern setup work. So. All right. Yeah. Um, I also got a Halloween t-shirt and I got this Haddonfield hat. It's like Ooh. official, like halloween merch oh cool and um and i got the shining board game which i'm very interested to check out it's very cool packaging it's you know the carpeting and him in like the middle of it and it's it's the big thick board game i'm very excited so you're saying we should play that sometime a hundred percent yes absolutely and then i also got i don't know this was definitely making the facebook rounds um there's this horror poster with all these little mini horror movie posters on it and you scratch them off and it's like a different version of the poster underneath the scratch off Mm. so i haven't gotten gotten to it yet because it feels like i have a frame for it and everything like joe got me a frame and i'm I'm like oh man i have to go through here and scratch these all off and i'm gonna feel like bad about doing it but it's what you're supposed to do so but i'm excited i i also thought maybe i'll scratch off the ones i've seen there's definitely at least a handful that i haven't seen and mm. make myself watch them first there you go scratch them off oh very um, cool so yeah so i definitely got some some horror merch that i'm excited about mm-hmm and Joe actually wants to watch like the first couple Friday the 13th, which, you know, when he says he wants to watch something that's horror related, I get very excited. So yeah, I'll be ready to do that. Good. That set is great. I've made my way. I just thought of one more horror movie I did revisit, oh. uh, which was because it's not even connected to Christmas. I forgot. Uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. I watched that uh, just like a week ago. Friday the 13th part eight, because I'm working through the set still. Um, And, you know, I find myself enjoying it more than I remembered, like, especially this rewatch. I'm like, this is actually kind of fun. Uh, It's not, it's one I don't watch a lot. Uh, I would say it's one of the more skipped over when I uh, focus on the series, but watching it this time, I'm like, this is more fun than I remembered it being. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't it be called Jason travels to and spends a little bit of time in Manhattan? Oh, absolutely. Jason, (laughs) Jason uh, shoots one scene in Times Square uh, and then the production ran out of money. So they did the rest of it in Toronto or something like that. So wild. Yep. But it's fun. You know, it's got some fun characters. I mean, it's very stock, you know, some of the Friday the 13th movies and a lot of slasher movies from that era. I find take forever with the setup. Like there's way too much character shit in the beginning that you're like, (laughs) they're stock characters. Every one of them is just a stereotype. Like I get it, get to the killing. Uh, And I feel like Jason takes Manhattan doesn't waste any time. Like it starts right away with Jason coming back, killing people and then boom, you're into it. And you're like, okay, good. I like that they didn't, you know, they didn't waste my time. I want to see him killing people and they deliver. Uh, And there's some fun kills in there. And Kane Hodder, is like the best Jason there yeah. ever was. Seriously, like yeah, truly. Is. Uh, when you because I had before that too, I had rewatched part seven, and he's just so expressive. Like he actually acts as Jason. Like I feel like a lot of stuntmen and stuff that had played him in previous installments. Uh, it's so stiff. Like yeah. the take was always like he is just emotionless, stiff robot kind of thing. Uh, and Kane Hodder brings a lot of physicality that you're like, oh, he's actually portraying emotion. Like Jason is irritated right now, I can tell, because that person got away. Like Kane Hodder gave a lot of little nuance to it that I really think was, you know, that's great. 
good work. Yeah, I'm excited to go through. And I think a lot of them, if not all of them, have commentaries, right? Yes, every single one of them's got. Some of them have brand new commentaries. Cool. Some just have ported over ones. Um, I know a few of them, I'm kind of interested to listen to it uh, if people are into this sort of thing. A few of them have fan commentaries uh, done by Adam Green uh, and Joe Lynch, uh, who I'm sure horror people know them. Uh, Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet series. Yeah. Uh, and then Joe Lynch, who did Wrong Turn 2, the best of the Wrong Turn movies, uh, and is a you know longtime collaborator with Adam Green. They actually have a podcast together, oh. The Movie Crypt, I believe, if that's still running. I'm not sure. I haven't listened in a long time. Sorry, guys. Uh, but they do some fan commentaries on some of these, too, so that would be interesting to listen to. That's cool. Yeah, I did not see the second wrong turn. The first one was enough for me, but I just saw the trailer for the the reboot and I think it looks awesome. I'm actually mm-hmm. really want I really want to see it. But now that you're saying the second one is good, I may go back and watch it. Go back and watch too because it's leaps and bounds better than the entire series. Like it has no right to be as good as it is. Okay. <laughs> Cuz I like I don't even think I don't like one. I don't like any of them other than two. Like okay. two is and two is almost a remake of one. Like, it's supposed to be a sequel, but it's virtually the same story, just done better. <laughs> so, okay. I'll yeah. go back and watch it then. Mm-hmm. I, it's worth a peek. Do you watch any... Uh, uh, I know Christmas is the focus for Christmas theme. You know, there's so many Christmas-themed horror movies, like, just as many as there are, like, Halloween. But there's also that little subset of New Year's Eve-focused horror movies. And do you have any horror uh, traditions for New Year's Eve? No, not a one. The only thing I can think of, which I've never seen, is New Year's Evil, mm-hmm. but I've not seen it. I don't know of any other New Year's related themed horror movies. Um, I, there's also, I mean, it would be for the film nerds, of course, is The Phantom Carriage. I watch that every year. Uh, I made my wife watch it last year, and she's like, I don't, why are you watching this? But <laughs> it is a, uh, it, 1912, I think is oh, when it came Jesus. out. It's, it's a Swedish silent film uh it's based on there the phantom carriage is a swedish uh folk tale i suppose scandinavian folk tale of the first person to die on new year's day you know right after midnight becomes the driver of the phantom carriage oh I like uh, which that. is which is what you know takes people to the other side um and it, it's a movie that's kind of, it, it's gotten this reputation now uh because one, it inspired Ingmar Bergman to become a director, you know, and he's okay. considered one of the all-time greatest directors, period. Uh, and it's allegedly Stanley Kubrick's favorite movie of all time. Oh. Uh, and literally, there are, there's a couple scenes in it uh, that he recreated in his own movies. Like, there's literally a scene that's shot for shot, like, redone in The Shining that originated in Phantom Carriage. Cool. Yeah, where it's fascinating to see that. But that's like, that's like my New Year's tradition now for the last handful of years since I discovered the movie is to rewatch The Phantom Carriage. Cool, I may have to check that out. Yeah, you may have to check it out. It's definitely, you know, if, if you can do the silent film, I feel like it's very, for a movie that's almost 100 years old exactly now, it's still very watchable. Like the the narrative and all just the way it's set up feels very modern. Okay. And the, the performances and all that in it are very, it, you know, it's, it's a story of a dude who's this alcoholic and just an asshole. Uh, and kind of like Christmas Carol, he gets to <laughs> relive his life where, uh, 
they're like, here's all the wrong you've done. You better make up for it or it's going to be not so good for you in the afterlife. So it's a, it's a, it's a interesting watch. Okay. I'll, I'll look into it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, shall we share some things? I think so. I think we should assign movies. Um, Okay. So I go first, right? Yeah. All right. So I'm, I feel bad because I feel like I've given you for the last couple of weeks movies that you're like, it's these middle of the road, like slasher that you're like, meh. (laughs) So I might be doing it to you again. (laughs) Oh, you felt so bad. I felt so bad that I had to do it to you one more time. I'm going to, forewarning, I'm giving you a movie that like I love, like, I don't know what it is. It's not a good movie, (laughs) but I love it. And I might be the only person in the world that likes this movie because oh. like, I thought there was a cult following. You sold on... me already, Jeremy. I'm I know. Really, I, thought there I was can't a cult, wait. I thought there was a cult following on the internet for this thing. But when I dig around, most people are just like, you know, not many care about it. Uh, but that is New Year's Evil. Oh, okay. That is the movie I'm going to give you, uh, which is a ridiculous slasher, you know, Halloween ripoff. Um, came in the wake of Halloween, trying to do the same thing for another holiday. I think it's a blast. It, it's it's just fun. I'm it's excited. not great. Okay. I'll give you the forewarning. It's not great. It's not a good movie, but it's still a fun movie, <laughs> I think. Uh, and I watch it every year for New Year's, along with The Phantom Carriage. It's my other okay. yearly tradition as I try to get in New Year's Evil. So hopefully you have some fun with it. I'm excited. Yep, it's a little it's a little weird, it's a little out there and like I said I feel like I am the cult following of this movie where I'm like <laughs> I think it's great, but I rarely find anything on the internet of other people being like it's it's great. I mean it has to have some kind of following because it came out Scream Factory did a special edition Blu-ray of it like years ago. Okay. Uh, so there's at least a decent print of it floating around out there. And I know TCM Turner Classic Movies uh, they play it with their, what is it, TCM Underground or something. They have a late night, you know, where they play cult movies. I know it's been on there a number of times. So at least the okay. programmers at TCM enjoy New Year's Evil. So do you know anything about New Year's Evil? I mean, it's the title should I mean, tell you evil all you happens need to know. <laughs> on New Year's Eve. Um, I believe that the poster has like a man like ripping through the cover art at you with a knife looking very evil. So, in my mind, it's just some guy who, you know, goes crazy because that's what he does. And um, I imagine there's childhood trauma, something maybe kicks it off into full gear, and he seeks revenge on the family that let him go, the family that put him away, um, some sort of familial retribution. And um, I think he's going to have some issues with authority. And I will I have my revenge. <laughs> and he will seek havoc upon the world. And um, I think mostly with a knife. I think there's going to be a knife. Hopefully like inventive kills. Like that always to me is like a, a great slasher is just like some some uh, creativity when it comes to the, the murder. Murder most foul. So that's what I think it's about. Well, you know what? I'm going to give you a movie that I love that I believe you will also love. I'm kind of, I, if I were still a betting man, I would put money down that you're going to enjoy it. Mm, lay it on me. <laughs> it's from 2017 and it's called One Cut of the Dead. Oh, uh, yeah, I heard about this. Okay. What do you okay. think One Cut of the Dead is about? 
okay, so this movie came out, uh, I think Shudder. Yeah. Uh, it got it over here. I know it's foreign. Uh, I can't remember. Is it like South Korean or Japanese or something like that? But yeah, I know it, uh, it got rave reviews. I think it's Zombies, I believe. Uh, okay. It's of the Dead. I think it's going to be a riff on Night of the Living Dead. Uh, one cut of the Dead. And I know it's about like some people are making a movie. Because I've seen that the artwork has a guy holding a camera that I've seen. So I know they're making a movie and I think maybe there's a zombie outbreak uh, and they're filming it as it happens. And I know the director of it is now like one of those genre darlings where everybody's like poised to see what he does next. Because uh, this movie was so like, I know it was critically acclaimed when it came out by whichever I, I, I don't know how much of mainstream criticism saw it, but I know the horror world is just electric with this movie, at least when it came out. So I know the director is, they're poised to see he's going to do something cool probably as his next flick. I think he was getting offers for maybe Blumhouse or something like that. I think American production companies were looking at him or Western, as we say, production companies were looking at him. So uh, that's what I know. It's about zombies and they're making a movie while zombies kill people. Okay. And I think there's a lot of gore. Cool. Th that sounds great. And I'm excited to watch that. <laughs> I know. It sounds like a, seems like a movie to me that's right up your alley. So when you said you hadn't seen it, I was like, okay. And you cool. know what? Bring it in the new year. I want to give you something you're really going to like, Jeremy. That's the kind of person I am. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to give you something you might hate. That's the kind of person I am. I punish my friends. Punish. Punish. I think we should include... So when we come back and give you our year end too of what we've watched this season, is this even a season? Who fucking yeah, knows? Yeah. This, this season of our uh, <laughs> podcast, uh, we should include this episode too, I believe these will okay. be. Okay. Yeah, uh, when we come back, I think let's talk about our movies and then let's like rate the top three that we've given each other. Let's do that. I think that's a great idea. Cool. Well, um, well I'm looking forward to it. Me too. All right. Can't well, wait see, to see you, you again. Yeah, we'll see you soon. We'll talk about some movies. Good. All right, bye. Bye. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Hello. We are back, all you weird little creatures out there. You little maniacs. You monsters. <laughs> and Jeremy, as people are listening to this, it is 2021. It's like, we did it, but you know what? It's the same as it was in 2020, like at least at the moment. So Yeah, as far as we know. I mean, it's kind of like time travel that we're recording ahead of 2021. Uh, but it'll be 2021 when you hear this. So that's right. That's, that's some right. Doctor Who shit for you right there. <laughs> and so appropriately, you gave me... New Year's Evil. Yes, our first movie, New Year's Evil. <laughs> uh, that's my impression of the, the of the killer. Everybody, spoilers abound. Um, <laughs> but here we go, New Year's Evil, uh, and the little letterboxed description. The tagline is: This New Year's, you're invited to a killer party. And I hope some of you had some killer parties as we're, you're listening right now, because you should be recovering from those. That's Hopefully, right. Hopefully, you weren't murdered at them. Uh, and here's the synopsis. 
During a New Year's Eve celebration, a punk rock singer gets a phone call saying that when New Year's strikes in each time zone, someone will be murdered and she will be the last one. That's right. That's pretty much it. That's what happens. That it is. And you know, um, it, was a, it was a fine, fun little watch. Yeah, this is a weird movie. It is so fucking weird, especially because it's not like they try to humanize the killer, but sort of. They like give him too much time, I feel. He's the main character. He really is because the, the gal, what's her <laughs> name, Blaze? Blaze. Like, I feel like she should be, like if that movie was made today or if that movie yeah. was made better, you would love Blaze. You would be there along with her. You'd be like, oh my God, Blaze. Oh my God, what are you going to do, girl? <laughs> and instead you're just like, this woman wears too much blush and she needs to calm down. <laughs> yeah. This is a movie rewatching it because I've probably watched this like half a dozen times now because I, I don't know how I discovered it. It was like years ago. I read an article about it uh, and then saw it was on like a streaming service and watched it for a New Year's Eve, like when I was just hanging out. Uh, and now it's become my ritual. Every New Year's Eve, I try to get in a viewing of this movie because it's just silly. Uh, it's not good, I can't defend that, but it's fun. Uh, and I think it deserves more attention for its weirdness. Like this should be a midnight movie, like on New Year's Eve at places. Like I feel like audiences yeah. would love this thing if played at the right setting. And you know, I, I say this far too often with these movies you give me that I find are just a little silly and kind of bad, mm -hmm. that it would have been so much more fun if I was stoned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably. It makes me realize what an addict I truly was <laughs> because lots of these bad movies, I'm like, I probably would have liked it if I was high. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is too, though, uh, we're watching this shit like, apart from each other right now, I feel like some of these I have would be like, if you and I were watching it together and like riffing on the movie as it was going, it would be way more enjoyable. For sure. It's not the drugs. It's more the, you know. It's the environment. The, the environment. Correct. Yeah, the, I agree. the connection. And I think you're right. Because Blaze, I'm like, this should be a fucking awesome character. This movie, I think part of why I like it is the same reason I love Return of the Living Dead so much. And it's like a punk exploitation movie again, because it's got the yeah. punk rock connection. So heavily in it uh and blaze should be like this cool punk rock chick uh and she's almost there when they have her like hosting the show you're like ah oh, cool she's like a punk elvira thing going on but they don't give her enough to do she's barely in the fucking movie and when and she's bad like that actress is just bad she is not good uh roz kelly uh of happy yep. days fame okay Yep, she was she was the Fonz's girlfriend in Happy Days. Oh, okay. So she probably had a little bit of a following then when this came out. She was sort of the... She was kind of a TV, like okay. a, a known TV actress from what I uh, okay. figured out. This was apparently her first like starring role. Okay, I, I love the tagline, or rather the, the, there's two of them, but don't dare make New Year's resolutions unless you plan to live. <laughs> New Year's Evil, a celebration of the macabre. <laughs> that is that is good. That was the best part of the movie, I think, was that. And the poster is just, I, I love it with him ripping through that calendar with his knife. Because that sticks out of my head. I must have seen this in the video store a lot as a kid. Because like so many of these movies, that each of us, when we give them, when mm -hmm. we assign them, we know the posters. The posters stand out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, love horror posters so much and um, I was always curious what this was about he just yeah I wish he was a little you were right mysterious. and you were wrong 
I was because yeah, I said it's some guy who just goes crazy. I said childhood trauma. I mean, probably they're probably, probably. Was, but yeah, he's very uh, yeah. They don't really explain it. But I said some he... sort of revenge on his family. Yeah, and um, issues with authority. I mean, of course, every killer has issues with authority, and um, wreak havoc on the world mostly with a knife. But I think I was going off the poster with the knife. I mean, he has his like switchblade. Yeah. Yeah, this is really, I like, I read one review where they're like, so the moral of the story is women having jobs is bad. Because <laughs> like, that's, his, that's what pisses him off, is his wife doesn't give him enough attention, essentially. Was that it? See, I was trying to figure out. I, I'm like, I don't even, it's a little unclear He's on pissed what's that happening. she's famous and he doesn't get enough money, I guess. That's like what I took from the ending when... So my two things that I think would make this movie better are one, Blaze should be awesome and you should spend more time with her. You should care about her. She should feel like she's in danger as well or have more of a hand in the fact that people are dying as opposed to every hour someone you care about will die or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I just, that's one. And two, I feel like the killer should be more mysterious. Like when it first started off, I thought for sure we're going to at the end find out who is this mysterious voice on the phone, Ben. But then we just find out and then we spend so much time with him. Like you said, he's like essentially the lead and he's getting chased by these guys. I feel like we're supposed to (laughs) care about him and like not want him to get hurt by the biker gang. (laughs) It's so weird. Well, yeah, because the movie totally throws you for a loop where you're like, okay, this isn't your typical slasher because right off the bat, you see his face. Yeah. And you're like, okay. But had the movie left it ambiguous as to who this was, I mean, they kind of tried to, but then you just start getting to know him so much where you're like, uh, like when he picks up the chicks at the bar, uh, where you want to go to a party at Eric Estrada's house? And you're like... <laughs> Oh my God. Sally and Jill, they were the best characters. Yeah, and then she's like, but my roommate's got to come with me. And he's like, oh shit. And then it just turns into like a weird, like, what am I going to do situation where you're like, but he's trying to kill them. Like, how am I supposed to feel right now? (laughs) Those are my favorite notes I wrote during the show. I wrote, Sally is the best. And her name was Louisa Moritz. And she died just last year. Oh, she no. was like the, the main girl he was trying to pick up. And then her friend was Jill. And then when he killed Sally with a bag of marijuana, I wrote, pot kills appropriately (laughs) and then i wrote jill's diarrhea saved her life dot 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 or not because then she dies (laughs) (laughs) but at first i thought oh my god her irritable bowel syndrome saved her yeah but alas it, it doesn't it doesn't if it's your time to go, it's your time to go. Yeah, you're dead. And then there's the scene with the bikers chasing him. And again, you're like, this is like what, he's like the Mr. Magoo of movie slashers where he's like, just keeps getting into trouble and he's yeah. got to get out of it. And you're like, what the fuck am I watching? Yep. But this movie, I think it unfairly gets like remembered as like one of the Halloween ripoffs where you're like, it's just a holiday themed slasher movie, but it's really not a slasher movie because it doesn't function like one. Or at least I mean, that's how you described to it to me earlier well, in the episode. Yeah. You're like, it's a Halloween ripoff. So I'm saying if anyone's, you know, perpetuating that, that well, okay. lie, it's you. I lied, guys. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's like the idea I'm assuming they had when they made the movie. Uh, but then when you watch it, like, it's really like, were they trying to go with like a Hitchcockian kind of like thriller? It seems more like that's what they were. Like, it I seems guess. like the filmmakers had never watched a slasher movie. Uh, and then try it like the closest they could think of is like something like Psycho, I guess. Like that's maybe like what we're going to rip off. Uh, and it, yeah, who knows? I tried to find information. Like I have this on the disc uh, that Scream Factory did. And there is a making of documentary on there where they talk to like 
must have been done a couple years ago because it's like, oh, all these people are old now, but they have interviews with like cast and crew. But nobody gives any real insight into like, I wanted to know more about like, who wrote this? Why did they write it? Like, what was the original idea? It seems like this was a movie that probably got rewritten and changed while they were making it. Because like, the plot line of The Sun, whose name I can't remember the actor, but he was in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, another, uh, you know, B-movie actor Mm -hmm. there. But like, you already know who the killer is because it's like they're doing stuff to make you think the son might be the killer because he's acting right. all weird and crazy. But it's like, but he's not. We already know that. So what's the point of him being weird? Yeah. There isn't. It's a plot line that goes nowhere. And you're like, I feel like... Except for just or- at the end to be like, oh, look, he's going to be crazy he's- just like his dad. Yeah. So I feel like it's something they rewrote a bunch of times, but nobody really talked. Like literally the documentary is just about the literal making like what we did you know who was there and i'm like damn it i want some insight into like it is canon uh films that made this who you know were big in the 80s mm-hmm. um a lot of bad action movies like ridiculous action movies uh and this was like one of their few forays into horror so i feel like they just didn't get, and you can tell by watching this like i don't think they got it like they didn't know what to do when it came to like making a horror movie yeah and it that last mask was so creepy. The Stan Laurel mask? Yeah, I wish that that would have been the mask the whole time because it was so freaky. And if you, like, didn't know who the killer was, like, if you pull, that would have been more on the nose with Halloween, yeah. for sure. Which, like, also is weird where they're, like, Stan Laurel of, of course, everybody Laurel and Hardy fame. Uh, and you're, like, why that mask? <laughs> I didn't put it together that that's what it was till you said it. That's but, what it is. Like, yeah, I looked yeah. it up and I was, like, oh, it's Stan Laurel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know he's in the white fila track suit like that is so weird and should be like an iconic slasher get up because it's so memorable but you know it's only in like two scenes and what he does with the elevator is so ridiculous like (laughs) he's just like sticking pencils and erasers in it and it's just doing what he wants he wants it to do i'm just like this is not how elevators work i'm sure of it yeah like i have no idea but i am sure that that's not how you manipulate an elevator (laughs) also this this viewing i couldn't stop laughing when they're like supposed to be plummeting the cop and blaze they're just like ah and then like it doesn't look that violent but when the doors open they're both unconscious like laying in the elevator like what happened it's like it just stopped and it's so silly but that was probably my favorite part was the elevator i also love all the all the punks in this like at the beginning where the cop is like where's your tickets and the punks are like threatening him like (laughs) it just it just so like they took like punk rockers hate authority so we're gonna make these actors all play it up to the nth degree where yeah. they're just like street criminals like running amok in the beginning and that song new year's evil you heard it like four times and like, it got like, stuck in my head i couldn't stop singing it yeah it was it was a pretty good song quite honestly y- yep uh and that <laughs> song apparently the music has a cult following like more so than the movie itself. Like when I went online, like there's tons of people that love the soundtrack uh, even more so than this movie. The bands were real bands, I guess. Well, maybe not because the, the, the one they say, Shadow is the name of the group that did the, the theme song. And that was kind of like a studio created, like I think they were just studio mu- musicians that got hired to write some songs. But the other one, Made in Japan. Yeah. Uh, they were a real band, I guess, in LA at the time. Uh, but they never actually like, 
other than for this movie that was like the only time they recorded anything uh but they were like a minor like cult uh like rock band in la at the time so it's like oh okay cool they got real bands in there and uh and then the people that were like playing the punks at the show i was like i think they like they got a bunch of actors that were like have never been to a punk rock show and then like <laughs> told, told them what kind of happens there and they're like all right i guess we just like gyrate around into each other. like it looks like they're trying to do moshing but it's not like yeah the crowd real moshing it's not, so weird does not feel very authentic no it's so fucking weird i was really um, hoping there was going to be a big like massacre at like like at the oh show that's such a missed opportunity such a missed opportunity yeah absolutely i think actually my favorite dude again the elevator back to the elevator is when like the two punks get in the elevator and blaze is like hanging underneath it uh, and it, the elevator starts going haywire and the dude's like this is some fucked up shit or something like that he screams and you're like that's awesome this guy's great and if anyone out there watches Big Brother, every year they have this sort of robot called Zingbot come on and he zings everybody and says like horrible, rude, witty things about them. And his voice sounds just like oh. the killer's voice in this when he's like calling and he sounds like an alien. Mm -hmm. And I just, my favorite line in the whole thing was when the one guy says, he's apparently using some kind of voice processor. And it's like, no shit, you, yeah. you don't say. <laughs> I, I learned from the documentary too oh, no. that uh, they actually got a real like voice changer thing, but it didn't work. Oh, so that's literally just the actor Kip Niven that played uh, Evil. Uh, it, he's literally just using his own voice, going Eva. Like he just he just did that <laughs> to make it oh sound God. right. So it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, it is a silly little movie. It is. He's he's a uh, like he's a cool actor uh in that uh kip niven like you he's got some kind of charm there's like a x factor going on i feel like watching him where you're like he was a good choice like i think he can pull this off if he was just in a better movie <laughs> with some more motivation some more anything going on he could have been iconic he could he have could been have. one of the heavy hitters if they had <laughs> known what they were doing with this but i i i, I did finish up as well like right before this i watched the other half of christmas evil Oh. Uh, and then went right into New Year's Evil. Uh, and I saw online that those two movies, well, one, they came out the same year, apparently. Oh, wow. Uh, but they've been screened at places, of course, as double features. Uh, That's cool. Were Christmas Evil and New Year's Evil. And I can see that those two fit together because they're both, they get marketed as slasher movies, but they're actually a little like weirder. Because even Christmas Evil, like you think it's going to be a salacious slasher movie. But it's like, there's some murder in it, but it's really not. Like, it's just a weird ass indie flick about a guy that thinks he's Santa and goes crazy. <laughs> uh, and this is just about a guy killing people on New Year's Eve. And it's not really scary. And it's not really, you know, it's just weird. Yeah, it's, so, it is that. So that's about it. That's all I got. <laughs> like, I tried to find some more info about this thing. Uh, there's not a lot out there other than the, the director that made this. This was his first feature. And they shot it in 18 days, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, and everyone that worked on the movie, though, was like, even though it was his first movie, he was really good. Like, he was a great director. They all liked working with the director, apparently. So there you go. All right. Can't remember his name. Sorry, <laughs> dude, whoever you are. Uh, it was Emmett Alston, uh, who I did find out, too, 
he, he went on to direct some other B-movies, but he did a flick called Demon Warp, which I've read about a lot in like articles about insane bad movies. Uh, and I haven't seen it yet. So I think I need to seek out Demon Warp. Apparently it's, it's a slasher movie that has a Bigfoot as the killer. It's right up your alley. Right up my alley, but it also has aliens and zombies and like a bunch of other stuff in it. It's like totally insane, they say. So I'm like, I'm Sounds like a, like a season of American Horror Story. It does. Yeah, it really does. I was like, I need to find this fucking movie and watch it. <laughs> but okay, man. Uh, so how many, we'll, we'll go to how many Stan Laurel masks out of five? Two. I would give it two of those masks. Good. I give it a three, uh, just because I just love this. I don't know. I can't. I can't look at it objectively. I enjoy watching <laughs> its stupidness too much. And I love this time around too. I was like, you know, this was probably more like half a movie, and part of why they put all those band performances in it because there's a million song performances, and you're like, they needed to pad out this runtime. So, cut yeah. to the band again. That's right. Uh, of these, well, there's that moment where it shows the band. And the band is just playing some like blues lick on the guitar over and over, just like, wah, 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 wah. and everybody is like just slowly swaying. And you're like, this <laughs> is so weird. Uh, and again, if you're stoned, you'd probably be like, what is happening? This is amazing. Probably. But that's, that's my advice, everybody. I love this movie. Uh, watch it, uh, alter your consciousness and go into it as a like mystery. This should have been a Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie, for it sure. It would be great. It would have been great, but that's New Year's Evil. All right, well, let's move on to one cut of the dead. Which fucking rocked. Siegad, the tagline is, don't stop shooting. And the summary reads, things go badly for a hack director and a film crew shooting a low-budget zombie movie in an abandoned Second World War Japanese facility when they are attacked by real zombies. Which I love that it's so vague because please, I mean, spoilers on New Year's Evil, who cares? But if you've not seen this movie, really yeah, go stop. watch it now. Stop listening now. <laughs> Although we're going to talk about our best and worst at the end of this episode. So just skip ahead, way ahead. <laughs> to yeah. the end. <laughs> but yes, spoiler, full spoiler alert here. Go into this as blind as possible, like I did, like yep. knowing. I just knew the premise that it was it's a Japanese zombie movie. That's all I knew about this. Uh, and I was so pleasantly surprised by this movie. So talk me through, so I know you liked it. You mentioned that, but like, talk me through like the stages of what you felt about it as it sort of, since it sort of has three acts. Yeah, so the first like 30 minutes where I'm like watching like, okay, they're making a zombie movie. Cool. Then seemingly real zombies show up and you're like, Oh, what the fuck? Uh, and I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, like I don't necessarily understand all the raving about this so far. Cause it just seems like a low budget Japanese zombie movie. Like I've seen other flicks like this, like other Japanese horror flicks like this that are nothing special. Uh, so I'm like, what's going on here? But then there's like a lot of weird idiosyncratic shit. Like the scene where the, the, the wife, the mom, when she jumps up like with the ax in her yeah, head, yeah. goes ah, and falls back down. You're like, what? Like what happened there? Yeah. Like was she a zombie or like, she's still like, I don't get it. Like there's a lot of weird little shit that you don't know why it happened. Uh, and then all of a sudden it, cuts to credits and stuff. And I'm like, uh, well, was that the, that was the movie? 
and then it segues really quickly into like, yes, what you just watched is literally the movie they made. Uh, and now the rest of the movie is not, it's not a horror movie. It's just a movie about making movies. <laughs> and it shows yeah. you how they made the zombie movie. Uh, and I thought that was incredible. Like once it gets to that part, it's kind of like suffer through the first 30 minutes where you're just confused. Like, why is this special at all? And then the real movie starts and you're like, holy shit, this is really cool. And it does like really get me excited. Like I need to just make a movie. They did it. Like it's one of those movies that makes you feel good and excited about like, see, it's fun. And if you want to make something, do it. Yeah, it's deceptively simple. Like it seems, yeah. especially the beginning, you're like, well, this is, oh sure, it's one long take. You know, that's difficult, of course, but like it's cheesy and it's not that interesting. And then you get into like like the real movie, like the second half or the second third. And you're mm -hmm. like, oh, this is interesting. And then you get to the end and then you see all of the like the things of why the beginning is certain things happen the way they do and why the certain actors in them, like him and his wife. And um, and then it's like, ah, all these little things. It's, it's so it's such a, a neat little thing. There's a, a play called Noises Off that this is very similar. Like the play mm -hmm. starts off the first third, the first act is them rehearsing this play. The second act is them performing the play from backstage. So like you're behind the set and you see them performing the play and all the shit that's happening behind the scenes. And then the third act, you see the play performed in front with all the knowledge you have from their rehearsals and the backstage antics. So it's very similar to this in its structure, except here you're seeing the finished product first and then you're kind of going back, which made it really fun to watch for a second time because I knew lots of the things that happened. So watching that long take in the beginning was really fun knowing, okay, this is weird here because the, the, someone missed their entrance or someone was too drunk and didn't show up or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's just so cool like that. Yeah, yeah. I really like movies about making movies. Like, this gave me a similar feeling as watching, say, uh, like Ed Wood, uh, for example, the Tim Burton. I've never flick. seen it. I, it, it. It's good. If you're familiar with Ed Wood, too, it, you know, it becomes even... Uh, it's like a love letter to Ed Wood's, you know, Plan 9 from Outer Space and Bride of the Monster and his terrible movies. But it gave me, it's a feel-good movie in the same way this is, too, where you're like, sure, Ed Wood made terrible movies, but the movie, you know, he, he had that spirit and that drive and he just kept going for it no matter what. And it also kind of reminded me of, there's a movie from the mid-90s uh, called Living in Oblivion. Okay. Uh, and it's got Steve Buscemi as the lead. It's an ensemble movie, so it's got like a ton of actors in it. But Steve Buscemi is an indie filmmaker. Is he gay? Uh, he might be. I'm not sure. Mm. I don't remember okay. that. Uh, I haven't seen the movie in a long time. But like the main bulk of it is he's trying to make this movie and everything's going to shit while he's making it. Like all the behind the scenes stuff is falling okay. apart. Uh, and it's like, oh, it's kind of like that in a way. Like it's a satire about making movies. Peter Dinklage has a scene in it where uh, they're supposed to be shooting a dream sequence where he comes in and talks to the main character. And then he has like a whole like monologue you would find where he's like, Oh, a dwarf in a dream. What a, what an original idea. And he like, yeah, <laughs> uh, very self-awarely rips that apart. But yeah, living in oblivion. That's what it reminded me of. How much did you read about this? Like trivia and things like that? Uh, I did a quick cursory 
uh, a reading where I saw like they just kind of shot this thing for like no money at all. Yeah, twenty five thousand dollars, like, like American money is. Yeah, what, and they ultimately made thirty million. Yeah, that's awesome. So it made box office history. I don't know if it still has, but by earning a thousand times its budget. Yeah, it's insane. That's nuts. Um, and they filmed it over eight days. Oof. Even shorter than New Year's Evil. <laughs> Even shorter. And it took them, um, they filmed the 37-minute continuous shot at the beginning six times. And according to one of the actresses, they got it right the second time. But there was a crew error, which led to the cameras stopping during the take, and they couldn't use it. Oh, no. So they ultimately did it six times. They filmed it. And I think it took... I think it that took the bulk of the the filming for it. And it got into a like after it came out and it was like kind of people were talking about it and it was sort of taking off. Um, the director had said that he had sort of gotten the idea from this guy who wrote a play called Ghost in the Box. Uh -huh. And that that playwright like sort of said, hey, he stole this idea from me, but I nowhere could I find the plot for Ghost in the Box. But it, it sounded like the director always credited this play as being sort of his inspiration for this mm -hmm. movie, but never said like, so he always like was very open about the fact that his idea came from this. But I would say if Ghost in the Box had that sort of plot, like that was from, I think, 2001 to 2000, I'm sorry, 2011 to 2014, that Noises Off came out in like the 90s or the 80s. So, mm -hmm. this, you know, and just in regards to what the, the device that this film uses, it's like, that's, he didn't steal it from you. Like it sounded like- It's it was, been done before. It's been done before. So calm your tits. Yeah. And you know, when they're doing that long take, there's that blood splash on the camera and the hand like wipes it off. And that wasn't yeah. done in post-production. That was like real, which I was the coolest bit of trivia for me. That's awesome. It, it feels like it would be something you put in a post to make it look so realistic. Yeah. But it really was. And I think that's so cool. It's it also, is. I love the meta-ness of it in the very end with the actual credits when they're showing the filming of the filming of like the filming. <laughs> like, yes. Like, it's so cool. I thought that was awesome at the end where I was like, oh, there's, and this is the real production yep. right now. We're getting a shot at the end right there of the real production. There's just all these layers it's so meta. to it. It's, it's so, so meta. meta. And there's just like layer upon layer upon layer. And I, I felt the same way when I was watching it the first time. I was like, why is everyone freaking out about this? Like, it's just so-so. It's just okay. Yeah. But then you reach that second section and you're like, ah, okay, this is cool. And you get to know the family and like you find all this heart and then you get to the end and things are just like, like it's like, how do you keep something together that's falling apart and sort of their family becoming closer again? You, cause yeah, it's after also doing this. after doing this and they don't really get a ton into the family and why like things with the dad and the daughter are a little weird. Like you just know that they are, but they don't have these long drawn out conversations. Dad, I hate you because you did mm -hmm. this to me last year or whatever. You just see this friction and they give each other looks. And yeah. And I just love, I just love lots of these Asian horror movies deal a lot with family, like the host. Like mm -hmm. I always think of that so much and Parasite, which, you know, isn't really horror, but it's- it's Horror adjacent. Adjacent. I think it's got scary stuff in it. Like yeah, it's, but they it's... all have this humor and lots of them deal with like the love of a family. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I, that speaks to me. Yeah, I, want, I wonder if it, 
is at the risk of sounding like a dumb American, but I feel like a lot of these cultures still have a so much more traditional, like family values are still such a core of the culture that that must be where that comes from. Uh, where, you know, I can sound like a talking head on the news, the disintegration of the family unit in America. Like, I feel like we've just become a little more nebulous about family, what that means necessarily. And it's not as prevalent in some of the stuff we do, I feel. Another cool, like, trivia bit was that this was sort of made through working with this drama school called the Enbu Seminar. Hmm. And it was sort of, they produced it and they sort of created, they hosted these acting workshops that they helped sort of find the, most of the actors who were just unknowns for it. And the workshop itself lasted for two months, which I think could lead to why they were able to do it all in eight days because they really workshopped the shit out of it during this time. And it hmm. was sort of like an acting exercise that ultimately became this really fucking cool movie. Yeah. That's just so many things and just like such a delight. One of the reviews that I read was from, let's see, Oscar Goff from the Boston Hassle. And he says, once you find your footing, you'll be delighted by possibly the funniest and certainly the warmest zombie comedy since Shaun of the Dead. Oh, absolutely. And it totally has that sort of feel of Shaun of the Dead where it's, it's so funny, but there's also this heart and there's also some blood. Granted, in the end, you all find out it's, it's all just effects. It's not, you know, supposed to be real. Yeah. But it's such, it's just a fantastic, cool movie. And uh, everyone in this movie, every actor is so damn charming. Like, but like in that first half hour, as you're introduced to everybody, you're like, I don't like any of these characters. <laughs> but, they're, but then you discover they're all just playing parts in the movie. Uh, and then you meet the real people. And everybody is so interesting and charming. They all did like a really good job with their characters. And I, for some reason, I was just so amused by the mom with her self-defense oh. class. Pop! Oh and she does that. <laughs> and it's like, and you have to yell it. And that's how it works. That's how you break free of the Because you don't know, grip. you don't know why she gave up acting. You just know she hadn't done it in a while. And then it's like, you find out as sort of, she starts to get too serious. And the daughter's like, she would get too into her roles and she broke some guy's arm. And then it all just starts to just make sense. And to you happen, see and you're her like, and oh. the dad, like trying to like hold her back and like, like <laughs> don't hurt these people. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Like, and then she he was, chokes her out. Yeah. <laughs> She was my favorite character, I think. For sure. She was fantastic. Yeah. It is just, it's incredibly clever. I watched it with Joe. So, so convinced he was going to fall in love with it as much as I could see him not enjoying that first 30 minutes. In my head, I'm just like, stick it out, stick it out, stick it out. Stick it out. I could hear him snoring a little bit. Joe, if you're listening, which I know you are, know that I heard you. So (laughs) I'm, I'm blaming him not fully loving this movie on the fact that maybe he missed some very important things that as a cohesive watch Mm -hmm. would have made him enjoy it more. Yeah, my uh, my wife came in and out of this, and uh, she I think she enjoyed what she saw. She seemed to be uh, uh, amused. Also, I think I heard Sarah saying no from the other room, so <laughs> I stand corrected. Well, again, just like Joe, I feel like if she would have watched the whole thing. Yeah, it would have made sense if you watched right. the whole thing. That's right. <laughs> oh my i read there's one other review i want to point out um sure from the austin chronicle richard whitaker and he said one cut of the dead isn't just charming it's an earnest and funny love letter to all the micro budget dreamers who use all their heart and ingenuity to make their movie 
Yeah. Which is true. Like that's the other thing, aside from the family love and all of that. Like if you're an artist and you like are trying to make something happen, like this movie will speak to you and that sense of like, oh my God, we're live. We can't cut, like we can, but like the artistic integrity of what you're doing will be lost. So it's like, don't stop shooting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and this movie too, it just it just makes me think like if you're out there and you wanna make a movie, just make your movie, just, yep. just do it. Just don't even hesitate. Workshop it maybe for two months like these people. Yeah, <laughs> write it, it, work on it, but do it. And I'm saying this to myself too, like get the idea together and just make it. It can happen. You know, and it, this is a movie that our friend Lucas really needs to watch uh, Mr. Lego Horror videos himself because he's doing it. He's making his Lego horror movies. But he'll have an aversion because it has subtitles. <laughs> yeah, but get over yourself. Uh, watch this movie. Lucas, I know you're listening eventually at some point. One other really cool thing is there is a sequel out there and it's on YouTube. It's like, uh, it came out during the quarantine. Yeah, it's like 27 minutes long and I haven't watched it yet, but it's a, it translates to don't stop the camera remote operation. Mm. So I need to check it out. It's 27 minutes because even though the film title that we see is one cut of the dead, which is the movie within the movie, the direct translation of the Japanese title is don't stop shooting or don't stop the camera. I've seen yeah. it both ways, but I, one cut of the dead has a much better ring to it. It's snappier. Yeah. For and sure. of course that means more to an English language audience. Cause they're, you know, playing off night of the living dead or something like that. Cause yeah. we already have that of the dead just works for us. Cause we have it, you know, in our pop culture. Which, of course, you said it's about going to be about zombies, a riff on Night of the Living Dead. Some people are making a movie. There's a zombie outbreak, and they're filming it as it happens, and there's a lot of gore. So all yeah. that was right. There was just more to it. There's just more to it. And I was like, this is amazing. I love this. <laughs> so that was a great selection. Awesome. Well, and I really was shocked you hadn't seen it because it did seem right up your alley. So I'm glad it we It absolutely it. was. So out of how many severed arms <laughs> would you give this four and a half awesome i give four it four and, four and a half yep that's that's pretty sh pretty uh pretty on, on point if you will yes so i was telling jeremy before we started recording that i realized the last two episodes we didn't find some sort of link between the movies we watched, which I know sometimes is like, you know, grasping at straws. Um, but I wanted to do it here. I want it because I like that, that little thing we do. So the one thing I could come up with is that in each of these movies, someone is a part of a production in One Cut of the Dead, it's a movie. In New Year's Evil, it's the New Year's Evil broadcast or the New mm -hmm. Year's Eve broadcast. And they're trying to hold it together, yet some force on the outside is trying to make it go off the rails. I think that's it. <laughs> so I think that, you got it. That's the connection. Because I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing for what connects them other than they're both fun. So they, check them out. They are. Do check them out. So now let's get into, I mean, we only have 11 films to choose from this, sure. this year, but next year we'll have so many more. Yeah. But let's talk about our top three and our bottom three shares that we've received from the other person. I think let's okay. start, I, I numbered mine both number one, number two, number three, and number nine, number 10, number 11. So oh. let's start with the bottom first. I think you said yours are a little more like. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm a little all over the place, okay. but I, I to do it, my criteria was what is a movie? Because I don't feel like I'm just, I'm such a forgiving guy. You, know? <laughs> you really are. I'm such a forgiving sweet man that I'm like, <laughs> I, I haven't really ripped on any of these movies. I haven't really outright hated any of them. Uh, so I was thinking, but which ones will I never watch again? I sure. think that's the ultimate sign of like, if I will never view this again, that means I'm not interested in this movie. Okay. And so I think right off the bat, Starry Eyes, I'll never revisit that. I just honestly, like I didn't get all the hype because I knew it was a really hyped movie by the horror sure. world. And then I watched it and I'm like, Hollywood is full of Satanists that prey on women. Uh, <laughs> Got okay. it. Like, yeah, that's not original guys. So like, I'll probably never revisit that. I'm done with it as well, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're done with it. So that's my bottom starry eyes. Uh, then going the next, it probably cam. Uh, okay. That was one that just, I don't know. I, the, the execution for that one just fell flat for me. When I think back on it, it was, I feel like I would have liked the movie more if it was like a hard science fiction angle or something, like we said in the episode, I just felt like there was a different story they could have developed using the same like plot uh, and doing it as like a horror movie. It just didn't do anything for me. So I'll probably never watch that, revisit it. And then I couldn't really think of a third one because I was like, is there anything that I really disliked? Uh, but I think my, the next one would be May. Okay. Probably, because I thought it was worth a watch, but I'll probably never rewatch it because it was just like, I don't think it's my thing anymore. Okay. Uh, it was, like I said, it was a movie that had I seen it like when it came out 10 years ago or whatever, I would have been sure. like, this is cool and fucked up. But now I'm just kind of like, meh, it didn't do much for me. All right. That's it. Well, my number nine, and this was between two movies. And like you were talking about, I thought, which of these would I never want to watch again? And only one of them would I be fine not watching again. So mm -hmm. number nine is Cherry Falls. Number eight okay. would be Ravenous, but I would watch Ravenous again. Fairy mm -hmm. Falls, I'm fine never watching again. I just thought it was a, a mediocre, if just sub-mediocre um, slasher movie. Sorry, with apologies to Lucas. Sorry, Lucas. <clears throat> uh, number 10 would be Tetsuo. Uh -huh. I and knew I went it back would and forth there. between 10 and 11. I but again, I there. thought, which of these would I never want to watch again? And I probably would watch Tetsuo over this other one. Uh-huh. Which one is my number 11? Godzilla. Yep. I knew it. I, <laughs> I originally it. had it as 10, but I'm like, man, I would probably watch Tetsuo again, just knowing how it is. And maybe with a group of people, whereas Godzilla is just bad. It's just mm -hmm. like, it's, and especially King of the Monsters. I might watch the straight up OG. I should get you to watch the, the original Japanese cut because I think you would uh, have more appreciation for it. It would be more watchable, I think, to you than... Uh, the Raymond Burr edition. I, I really want to watch the the Brian Cranston one. I need to watch that one. I think I, you, it looks like fun. I think you'd enjoy that. Yep. So let's do our tops now. I love okay. tops and I love bottoms. That's yeah, versatile. <laughs> That's right. What are your top three? Uh, my top three. Let's do this. Um, you know what? My number one. Should I do number one or do, should I start at three and go You can up? do whatever you want. I'm going to do three to one, but you can do it however you want. I, I'm just so excited about it. My number <laughs> one is One Cut of the Dead. Okay. Uh, that was the, I think that's the best thing you got me to watch. Like I was just so, uh, it was such a good movie and it left me feeling good. 
Like, I really yeah. like that. Like, it's such a sweet movie by the end of it. Like, I, I just, I don't know, that hit me. Maybe it's the holidays and I'm just feeling a little, <laughs> little soft, but uh, that, was, that was just a perfect movie. It was the right movie at the right time. My number two is Hereditary. Okay. Uh, I have no fucking idea how I went so long without watching that. Because that is, again, that's a different kind of movie. Because it's definitely, if One Cut of the Dead is a feel-good movie, Hereditary is a feel-bad movie. It's the antithesis it to is One the Cut an- of the Dead. It's the antithesis. But it was incredible. Like, it's a movie that, it, it's a work of art, is what it is. Like, I know in the episode we discussed that a lot of people just were, audiences didn't like it, didn't get it. What is this movie? And I feel like, not to be a film snob, but Hereditary is definitely a movie that you have to activate. Like the part of your brain you use for watching a David Lynch movie, it's the same like part of your brain to watch Hereditary where you're like, this is an art film, less a narrative film. And you're going to start verging into experimental and like avant-garde territory. Interesting. Um, and I love those kinds of movies. I like challenging uh, stuff. So you do. And my number three, is probably housebound that's it my wife just yelled into the room housebound was my number three thank you sarah housebound because that movie fucking rocked so good Uh, and that's it that's just that was just fun and awesome yep all right well good good choices i agree with all of them my number three is return of the living dead i knew you were gonna pick that one (laughs) it's so good i love it loved it Again, I don't know how I went so long without seeing it. Or my number two, which is They Live. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of those are so good. 80s classics. Both, you know, are just fantastic. So much fun to watch. Well done. And just, they're classics. Classics. They rock. They do. Do you know my number one? It's not a classic. You know what? I thought your number one was going to be either They Live or Return of the Living Dead. No. I have no idea. It is Murder Party. Oh, that's Sarah so said that. She said you were going to pick that. <laughs> she was right. Yeah. It was so good. All my top three definitely are. Well, they live as it is comical. It's not as comedic as Murder Party or Return of the Living Dead, but all yeah. three of them definitely have, you know, some some strong comedy influences within within absolutely but yeah murder party is just fucking awesome. Murder Party fucking rocks people. Watch that movie. Yeah, uh, it's a it's. Not enough people have given it attention. So go out there True. and find it. If you loved his other work, Green Room, Blue Ruin, uh, you'll love Murder Party. So watch it. That's right. So yeah, good, good flicks. And looking forward to, you know, 2021 with you. So a whole new year. A whole new year. <laughs> a whole new. I don't even know. I lost Place it. Sorry. scares to share. and thank you all for listening yes thank you for listening i hope you guys come back i've got some i got some more weird picks for brandy joe lined up i'm like doing my work man i'm like i'm lining up what i'm gonna give to you each week so uh i'm getting serious about it okay we're about to take a journey and please um you know follow us scaring is sharing um on the insta follow planet amp podcasts on insta and um, you can send us an email. Send us your thoughts. Email scaring, us. Scaring us sharing at gmail.com. Um, rate us. 
subscribe to us, review us. We have one review and um, it's, it's Jeremy's wife. So I would appreciate another review. <laughs> Some more reviews, please. <laughs> Not that we don't appreciate you, Sarah. We really, really do. Um, but yes, please um, reach out to us. Tell us what you want us to watch, what your favorites of the year were. Let's, let's be friends. Yeah, what do you think of the movies? If you, I, the, all, the, uh, the optimist in me uh, is really hoping that everybody watches all of the movies uh, and <laughs> listens to every episode and they're ready to have a conversation about them. So tell us what you think of these. That's right. Are we just dead wrong about some of these movies? Uh, or uh, did we fuck up? Is there something we got wrong about them? Let us know. I want to know. Whatever you feel is correct. Yes. <laughs> Whatever you feel is an appropriate feeling. <laughs> That's right. This is a safe place. That's fucking so true. <laughs> it's fucking, it's fucking safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Jeremy. And um, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, Brandy Joe, as we share those scares and keep watching some motherfucking horror movies. Because scaring is sharing. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.